0: Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. My name is Daniel, and this week we're starting a brand new series. So you picked an awesome week to be here. And the series is called this, Money Talks. And we're gonna take the next four weeks and we're gonna talk about money, but if I was to ask you what does your, if money could talk, and I was to ask you what your money would say, what would it say? I mean, think about that for just a minute. What would your money say? Would it say, like, goodbye? <laughs> would it say, like, hold me a little longer? What, what would it say? But the truth is, is if I was to look at your finances, if I was to look at your bank account and your cash and your wallet, your receipts, it would tell me a lot about you. Wouldn't it? It would tell me a lot about you. This is where they spend their time. This is the gas station they go to every Tuesday. This is where they go here. This is where they get their coffee. This is where they do, This is what they spend. This is what they value. Our money says a ton, a ton about us. And the Bible has a lot to say about our money. It has a ton to say about our money, and. The thing is, is as like, we're going to spend some time going through this, and we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk about debt. We're going to talk about budgets. We're going to talk uh, about, uh, I don't know, anything when it comes to money, we're not. We're going to talk about investing. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about co-signing. We're going to talk about credit cards. We'll talk about everything, and really, the Bible has a ton to say about it, but the thing is, is some of these ideas are probably going to be a little bit weird because normal here in America, well, normal here in America is broke. It really, really is. And I, and I say that because you look around and you're like, no, it, it really can't. But here are some stats on, on what normal finances are here in America. 78% of U.S. workers live paycheck to paycheck. 78%. That means paycheck to paycheck means if they don't, If that paycheck goes down a dollar, if they miss a week of work, if that paycheck doesn't come in, they are in big trouble. They might be above water, but like the water line's like right here. Their eyes are bobbing like up and down. They are just barely, barely there. Here's another one. 58% have less than $1,000 in savings. That's normal. So this is, some of this is going to sound weird. It's going to sound different because this is this is the normal that we see. And I love this verse in First in Peter. First Peter <coughs> chapter two verse nine says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people. I think another way of saying that word peculiar is weird. I think it definitely fits me. A weird person. And <laughs> Becca's the only one laughing. <laughs> but here here's what I'm talking about as we go through this. I ask you just to open up your heart to what God's word would have to say about the subject. And we have, I've heard it said, if you're over 12, you've already made mistakes with money. Like, it's just, it just happens. And what I hope this message does to you is helps to inspire you to take godly steps to position yourself financially to be and do what God wants you to be able to do. whether what, Whatever it is, we want you to be ready and able to do that. And preparation really is the price of opportunity. And I don't know where you are in your life right now where you're like, Money, I don't even have any to worry about. Well, that's great. Then now you can know exactly where you need to put it and how to use it so that you don't make bad decisions. That's great. And maybe you're like, Well, most of our earning years are behind us and now it's kind of surviving thing and and stuff. And no, there's a lot for you as well. There's so much yet to do. And maybe like, well, I've, I'm sitting on it now, and I don't know. Well, let's help, and let's see what God's Word says about how to do and what to do with it. Now, I know what they say when it comes to making friends, two things that you should never talk about, right? You just, what do you not bring up? Politics and money. So welcome to church. Let's talk about money. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay, so we're going to start, and we're going to start with this, 1 Timothy 6.10. And one of the things that has crept into the church is this idea, money is bad. Money is bad. And I've even heard people quote this verse, and they'll say, well, money is the root of all evil. Money is bad. But let's look at 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is a tool, and you can use it However, you want. Money is a tool. Money can be used to send a missionary. Money can be used to help somebody pay medical bills. Money can be used for all kinds of stuff. But money's a tool. Or money can be used to hire a hitman. Or hit woman. I wouldn't discriminate if I you know what whatever. You can but it's Check, check, boom, there we go. Now I can control my My own volume. You're all in trouble. (laughs) Here we go. Money is a tool and it's not bad. The love of money is, if you do not have money and bills come, you want some. You're like, oh no, money is not bad and that has crept in to the church and I don't know where it came from, I don't know how, but I think it was the devil trying to say, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make sure these people do not have the resources to go and to do and to be what God has called them to do. But if God calls you to do something, you want to be able to do it. Whether it's go on a mission trip, help somebody out, go over here, invest, be able to take a day off so you can help somebody over here. If you are so strapped and you're one of those people living paycheck to paycheck, you're like, I can't take the day off to go do this. I can't take a week off to go over here. I'd love to support this. We'd love to adopt. We'd love to be able to support some people who are adopting. Be like, we can't do it. And This is why it is so important for us to have a godly view of money. So understand this, money is not bad. It's not bad. Well, now, didn't Jesus say to a rich person that they, rich people don't go to heaven? And this is, again, I've, I've heard people literally say these things. Well, here's what it says in Matthew 19, verse 23. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's Jesus And that's what he said. It's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 24, he says, I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. The disciples were astonished. Who then can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at him intently and said, humanly speaking, it is not possible. But with God, everything is possible. We've talked about this before. But money offers up to us the things that only God can give money says if you have it you'll be secure but money doesn't it doesn't really make you secure money says well if you have it then you're valuable and we can find our identity and our value in it but really our identity and value needs to be found in God and here's what he's saying he says he told the rich man he told this man and we really kind of picked up at the end of the story where a man came to Jesus and said, what must I do to follow you? And Jesus says, well, follow the commandments. He says, all of those I have followed since I was a kid. I I did that, I've done it. And Jesus says, well, one thing you lack, sell all you have and follow me. And the guy went away very sad because he had great wealth and he didn't do it. Now, Jesus addressed in that man the problem that he had, which was that love of money. But as we look at Jesus' disciples, he did not call them to sell all that they had. As you read through the Gospels and you see Jesus and his disciples, you see them going to his disciples' houses. They left their houses, but apparently they still had them to go back to. He did not tell every single person to do this. He did not do that. So, this idea that money in itself and you can't have money, that's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. Having money is a blessing. Proverbs 13.11 says this, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows over time. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. He says so that you can always be generous. And in Luke 8, it talks about Jesus and how he and his disciples were able to travel around preaching. And this is what it says. Verse 3, Jonah, the wife of Chuazah, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Jesus didn't tell these people, go sell everything you have. They contributed from what they had to support Jesus and his disciples and make it possible for them to go around and to travel and to not be what I would say earning an income. Money in in itself is not bad, and people who have money are not bad. I was working on a job in 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 a very 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 in, in a billionaire's home. I was we were in there working, and one of the guys I was working with, um, the the homeowners were coming through and working, and and as we were in a in one of the bathrooms, we were working in there, and they come come through the house and he looks over me and he goes you think you can have this much money and not be greedy I looked at him and I'm like I think you can be greedy if you have a dollar I don't think an amount of money makes any difference at all you can be greedy with a dollar or you can be greedy with a billion dollars the amount doesn't make a difference I said in my experience and I think it's very true is money is a magnifier You give a generous person a dollar, they're gonna be generous with a dollar. You give a generous person a million dollars, they'll be generous with a million dollars. You give a stingy, greedy person a dollar, they're stingy and greedy with a dollar. You give that same greedy, stingy person a million bucks, and they're gonna be greedy and stingy with a million bucks. Money is a magnifier because we see it better because it's blown up when there's more of it. But having money is a great thing. It is nice to be able to pay bills and to do the things that God has asked you to do. Years ago, Becca and I, um, we just felt God lay on our hearts to get out of debt. And when we decided to do this, we actually had family members come over and be like, you can't do this. This is not the right thing to do. They're like, There's, some debt is good and here's why it's good and you shouldn't do this. And we're like, uh, no, we're gonna do this. And one of them's like, okay, charts and papers and calculators and like, here's why it makes more sense. And I'm like, okay. I think there's two sides of this. Number one is I believe that if I honor God with my wealth, it's way better. And you might be able to show me on paper where there's a tax advantage somewhere, somehow in this. I said, but I believe that honoring God and what he's called us to do and laid on our heart to do is going to be way, we're going to have much more blessing in that than if we were to, you know, have a few extra bucks. And he looked at me kind of funny, and I looked at him, and I said, you tithe? And he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, mathematically, does that make sense? He's like, no. I'm like, see? And there are times where we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust in you. And I believe that. I have tithed ever since, um, ever as long as I can remember. And there's never been a time that we've stopped tithing. There's been a time where at the end of the year we looked back and said, oh, no, we were short. And we're like, all right, well, let's make it up. Here we go and figure it out and this is what we were short. Let's write that check. Let's send this off. Let's get this done. But we want to honor God with what we have. But when it comes to handling money, what are some of the things that the Bible has to say about it? Thank you for asking. Here's what it is. Proverbs 21 verse five says this. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. Let me ask you this. Do you have a plan for your money? The way that I would kind of rephrase that make make that a little bit clearer is this, is do you have a budget for your finances? Do you have a plan for your money? you probably heard this before, but failing to plan is planning to fail. And I don't know if you know this, but money comes in and money comes out. Like it just disappears. And if you do not have a plan for it, it is so easy. And here's the thing, budgets are not for poor people. Budgets are for everybody. Everybody. Everybody needs and should be on a budget. I remember when we, back in the when we did, when we were paying off debt, we were on a crazy, we were on budget, like super budget. Every penny, every dollar. She bought something one time. I remember it being $3. She remembers it being like 25 cents. And I'm like, that's not on the budget. You take that thing back. (laughs) We're like, we are budgeting. And we got when, when we got to the other side, you laugh, I'm so serious. Gestapo up here. Anyways, so we got to the other side of, of, of this debt. And it's like, okay, whoo, we don't have to do that anymore. And I remember a year after we got out of debt, I look and I'm like, you know, at the end there, we were you know, putting an extra, uh, I think it was about $2,000 a month towards this debt stuff. And a year later, I look at our finances and I'm like, there's not an extra $24,000 just sitting in there. We got a little laxed in our, in our budget. And it was, a, it was crazy to think, well, where did some of that go? And some of it, I know exactly where it went because while we were paying off debt, there was a lot of things that we just did not do. And we prolonged like a lot of stuff, probably way too much information. But one of my things was I'm not buying any more underwear until we are out of debt. And Beck's like, there's holes. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm on too much information. I'm sorry, probably. But we were, and there was other things around the house that just weren't getting done. And I'm like, we will wait. We are going to, we're going to do this. And I know that some of the finances, I know a lot of it went to like catching up on stuff around the house and projects and things that needed to be replaced and fixed up and all that type of stuff. But it goes away so fast so fast. And it's having a plan for your money. So where does the budget start? A budget starts with this. It starts with tithing. That's the first thing in your budget. Because here's what a tithe is. A tithe is not just 10%. A tithe is the first 10%. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. And first fruits really means it it is the first thing. It's not the last. It's we honor God first. And maybe you're like, oh, man, I knew it. He said, money, this is all they're going to talk about. We're going to talk about this for a little bit, and we're going to get on to everything else. Okay? Tithe, this is not a big deal. And Jesus really says that in Matthew when he starts about talking about tithe, which is New Testament, just in case you were wondering. And he says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He says, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin. He says everything. But you have neglected weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He says, you should have, he says, those you ought to have done without neglecting the other. He says, you neglect the weight of your matters. Tithe is not a matter of salvation. You can go to heaven without it. But if you want to honor God with your finances, this is where you start, and this is what goes first. As you say, God, I'm going to honor you with the first. Us, we get paid, the tithe comes out. The same day we get paid, the tithe goes out. We've had times, I told you, where at the end of the year, we're like, oh, no, we're, we're, we're short. We didn't do enough tithe. And so we made it up. And it's like, I would have, oops. But I'm not like, oh, no, it was not It was another tithe because I got it wrong. Um, no. But we try to honor God in that and give him first. Give it to him first. Honor him. And then we get to essentials. Okay? Essentials. Housing. Utilities. Now, here's what's not an essential. This is not a essential. It's really not. These things are crazy expensive. They're not essentials. So when we decided to pay off um, debt, it's like, hey, we got to get rid of this. I was like, okay, we're going to cut back. We're going to go back to the essentials. You know what we did? We got rid of Internet. Internet is not an essential. We got rid of it at the house. I think at the time we were paying like 15 bucks. I'm like, it's gone. I'm like, cell phones, gone. They were like 80-something bucks a month. I'm like, they're gone. And Beck's like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, we don't even need phones. No. And I'm like, okay. So we went and we got a house phone. And at the time, I think Verizon was doing something. It was like 19 bucks instead of our cell phones. I'm like, here we go. And my work came to me and they're like, where's your phone? I'm like, I am on a budget. I said, I'm not doing this with a phone. They're like, you need one. I'm like, then you can pay for it. And they looked at me, they said, okay, we'll pay, we'll reimburse you. And I'm like, well, that doesn't work for me. And they goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you want me to sign a contract for a phone? He's like, well, yeah, you need one. He goes, well, we'll pay you back. I said, sounds good, but then I want it in writing that if you fire me or change your mind, you're going to pay to cover the cancellation of this contract. I know, I know. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing this. I didn't even really want one. And they're like, okay, we'll do it. And I said, "All right." they said, go get a phone. I said, I will when I get that in writing that you're going to cover this if you decide to change your mind or fire me. And they're like, okay, we'll do it. We got rid of it. There are, so here's what I think. When I say essentials in a budget, please think, what is an essential? Netflix is not an essential. Okay, it's like, okay, what is? We start with, we need a roof. We need clothes. We need food. And then we're going to work and hopefully be able to fit some transportation in there somehow so we can get to work. But that's where our budget starts. It starts with those and meeting these, saying, okay, here's where we are. Let's go from there. Let's go from there. And then it goes to saving. Proverbs 21.20 says this, the wise have wealth and luxury, but a fool spends whatever he gets. A fool spends whatever he gets. If your budget is consuming 100% of what's coming in, your spending, then you need to adjust your budget. Move some things around, figure it out, but you should be, we should be on a regular basis saving. I am a firm believer in emergency funds. They are awesome. When you do not have one, everything is an emergency. It's, oh, no, this is here, and, oh, no, this happened here, and the tire blew up on the trailer. It was a little low. I shouldn't have done that. You know, everything is like, a, oh, no, what is it going to be? You go to the mailbox, and you're, like, you're just flipping through the mail. You're like, nah, okay, good. Yeah, junk mail. And you're, oh, what is it? And you open it up, and it's just one of those stupid advertisements that they put in an envelope. to try to make it look like a bill just to get you to open it, and you look at it, and you're like, I'll never buy anything from you, and you throw it away because it just got your heart pumping that it was another bill. Oh, those things backfire when they send them to me. But anyways, everything is an emergency when you do not have an emergency fund, when you do not have that. I think $1,000, what Dave Ramsey says, I think that's, hey, that is a great start emergency fund where well, you've got that and it just can bring a whole level of peace to a household where you're like, ah, okay, something crazy goes on, we're covered. But it should be an ongoing thing. We're on a regular basis that as money comes in, you are able to set it aside for saving. Hey, this is what we're saving for. We're saving for some big things. We're saving for this. We're vehicles, missions, trips, giving, things. And Okay, we are saving. You should not be spending everything that you have. Save for a car. Save for it. Save, save for big things. Save for opportunity. Save, save for an opportunity. Save to be able to... You're driving down the road and you see a car, I don't know what your thing is, but if your thing is cars and you see a car, you go, that's an incredible deal on that call. You know what I could do? I could buy that car and I could sell it for more. Save to be able to, and the price of that really is the disciplines so that you have the finances to go, you know what, I am going to buy this and I'm going to go sell it over here. Save so that you can do that. Save for the opportunity to bless somebody when it comes. Save so that you can do that, but saving Again, this is what the Bible says that we should be doing and that we should be able to do. And saving adds up. It adds up really, really quick. So I'm a nerd, okay? I don't know if you know this, but I'm an absolute nerd. I love charts. I do. When we were going through debt, I was like, babe, look at this. We're paying things off. I'm like, if we, if we put this much on extra on this debt, and here's how much it saves here, and it cuts, and here's an amortization chart, and look at this line, and it goes over here, and she's like, oh, okay, what's the dollar number? I love this. I love this stuff. So I just did a little bit of saving, and I went over and I found a, a Roth IRA retirement calculator, and if you were to save $416 a month, you start at age 30, you end at age 65 you've got just over a million dollars at age 65. And maybe you're like, well, $400, that's a lot a month. The average car payment in America is over $500. That's just the average car payment. So it really is something that when we take little steps, we can go anywhere. Did you know that? It might be a long way. It might take you some time to get there. But small, take, small steps take us where we want to go. So often we think, no, I need that big something. I need that before I'm even going to start. So here's what I would say. Is if you do not have a an a emergency fund of at least $1,000, start to do something. Start to do something. If you do and you have that, you still need to be, that's not like, woo, you've done it. Dave Ramsey says three to six months of expenses. Sounds good. Start working on that. But you need to have savings so that you can take advantage of opportunities and so that you can step out and be able to do the things that God is laying on your heart to do so that you can be ready to do those. Uh, I, I look back and I think if we had not gotten out of debt when we did, I'm like, I don't know how we would have been able to start this church. It was great. To not have that debt and next payments and things going out and to be able to say, okay, we can... I'm sorry, whoever's that was. Oh, we'll take a look at it afterwards. Oh, but to be able to, I don't think we would have, but to be able to look and to say, okay... We're going to, we want to start this church. We want to do this and we're going to be able to go a couple months here and if, if pay goes down or disappears and here we can make it and we can go and this is what we're going to be able to do. But it can bring so much peace, so, so much peace. And then in that budget, we go to everything else, transportation and health and recreation and insurance and kind of whatever else that we get there. But honor God with what we have so that we're able to do what he wants us to do. Really do. And when it comes to debt, I'm talking about debt quite a bit. So let's just, let's just hit this here. And Proverbs 22 verse 7 says this. Just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. And I have seen that so many times where people are working overtime and doing extra hours and doing all of this to be able to afford their awesome truck. So that they can drive it to work, because they're working all the time, to be able to afford the vehicle that they they just use it to get back and forth to work. I'm thinking about one guy in particular in a particular situation where that's exactly what it was. He cannot make his budget and make all of his everything and his car payment without working overtime, and his wife's complain about how much he's working, and he's working so he can drive a truck to work, and I'm just like. Do you see the circle? Like, really? You could take a bike, like anything, like really? And we can get to that point. And we need to be very careful. When the Bible talks about debt, it, it's not in a positive light to the to the person who is in debt. Never is it like, woohoo, you're in debt. Congratulations. You can't find that verse. It's not in the Bible. It's not there. Now, it is not. I do not believe that it is a sin to go into debt. Now, the strongest verse against debt in the Bible is this. It's Romans, not Romans, it's Romans, 13 verse 8. It says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love one to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. That is the strongest statement towards. Now, that was the NIV, and in the King James, it says, oh, no man, anything. And if that was the only verse in the Bible, I would say, do not go into debt. But the Bible has more to say on it. Um, and Deuteronomy is talking, and it says, you will lend money to many, but you will borrow from none. And when the Bible talks about debt, It talks about, again, warning and be careful and don't do it. If you look at the Israelites in the Old Testament, they could only go so long before they had to forgive debts. Debts could not go 30 years. It it wasn't this whole crazy thing that it has become today. But we need to be very, very careful with debt, extremely careful with that. I was raised growing up, and it was just drilled in me. You do not borrow money for anything that depreciates. He's like, you don't do it, that's how you end up upside down. So what does that mean? Okay, you do not borrow money for something that after you buy it is worth less than when you paid for it. So, cars. You might drive junk, but you don't, if you want a nice car, you save up the money for it. And then you go buy it. He goes, but you do not borrow money for something that after you buy it is worth less money. And I don't know if you've ever listened or watched or heard any shows on debt and so often that's just one of the huge things that jumps up is people buy cars that they cannot afford. They go to make a payment and what they don't realize is you know, they buy a brand new vehicle and four months later They want to get rid of it because situations have changed or job is calling them somewhere else or they don't need it anymore or don't want it anymore. The stress of the payment has just gotten to be too much. And they go to sell it and they find out that the car is not worth four months later what they paid for it or a year later and they owe more on the car than they can get by selling it. Be careful with debt. On average, I just looked up a little bit of information when it comes to cars And Carfax said this, they said, our data shows that cars lose more than 10% of value the first month on a brand new car, and the average is a car, a brand new car is going to lose 20% of its value in the first year. Some Some more, and some less. Be careful when it comes to debt, is really the theme that we see over and over in scripture. Be careful, because you can end up in trouble. You can end up working for and paying for something that you're like, "I'm." it's not even worth it. Be careful when it comes to debt. And then the last thing when it comes to debt, and this the Bible is extremely clear on, is co-signing somebody's debt. Proverbs 6 verse 1 says this, my child if you have put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, he's like, okay, whoever it is, if it's friend, whoever this is He says, if you've trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you have said, follow my advice, save yourself, for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Here's what co-signing does. It makes you financially responsible for something you don't have authority for. You don't have authority over that other person's money, but you just hope that they pay. And here's what it says. Now swallow your pride, go and beg to have your name erased, Do not put it off. Do it now. Do not rest until you do. All of verse 4 is this. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. It's like, this is not good. Fix this. Verse 5. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping the hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. Don't do it. Cosigning is not a good thing. Here's what cosigning is. You come to me, I'm the bank, you come to me and you say, hey, I want to buy X, Y, or Z. The bank looks at your history and says, we don't think he can pay. And then I come back to you and say, we'd love to lend you the money, but you need to get one of your friends or parents or uncles or rich aunts to sign for you. They don't think you can pay. The people that make their money by knowing whether someone's going to pay or not, look and say, they're not going to pay. They're not going to pay. My dad growing up, he told us this from the time we were like 10. He's like, you better start saving for a car because I'm not going to sign and I'm not going to help you pay for it. Like dead flat out. We knew. He's like, this is not happening. He goes, it's not a blessing to me and it wouldn't be a blessing to you. He's like, I'm not doing it. He goes, you don't co-sign for anybody. And when I got a little bit older, I was like, dad, why were you so adamant about that? He goes, because I made a mistake and co-signed for somebody once. He goes, I'll never do it again. We don't co-sign. Don't become responsible for something that you do not have authority for, especially for friends, because something goes wrong, and then they feel bad, and they want to make it right, and it's not, and it's hard, and it can just rip apart friendships, right? You want to lose a friend got somebody following you around, you want to get rid of them, loan them some money. You'll never see them again, right? Um, co-signing, it is a, da- it's, don't do it. Don't do it. I think verse four was very clear. If you've already done it, find a way to get out from it as fast as as you can. Get out from underneath that as fast as you can. But as we, as we talk about finances and money here, my hope is this, is that wherever you are, that you begin to see God's plan for our life, it's not just get into heaven. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest now. And if we will look and use finances the way that the Bible tells us to, it will equip and empower us to do the things that God lays on our hearts to do. I want to see you completely able to do that. Whatever it is that God's asking you to do or put in your heart the dream. Maybe it's start a business and give part of the proceeds away or whatever. And you're like, but we can't do it. Maybe it's adopt. Maybe it's start a family. You're like, but we got all this back here that we can't handle. Or, you know, we want to do this, but we feel like we can't because it'd be irresponsible because of all this that's coming in here or the debt that we have here. If you're young, avoid all of it. And this, you've heard this before. The best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. The second best time is right now. And I'm sure every single one of us are looking back and like, I wish I, we've got things, we look back and yeah, financially if I'd known this and if I had changed this and if I had done this, that would be so much better. But here's the thing, you can't change that. So start today. Say, God, I'm going to honor you with this. I want to use finances, this tool that you've given me, I want to use it to help others, to help myself so that it can be a blessing so that I can be a blessing to those that are around me. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.